possibilities. Talking photography with Christian Fletcher, Christian Fletcher and Cowan. Cowan. By placing values on the exposure scale, on the desired zone, we then get the required information in the negative. Mate, so, can you repeat that in Australian for me? So good to have you back on Lightminded. Sorry, we've uh, we've been preoccupied. Fletcher's been away shooting up at Nalu. Uh, I've started a new job at Triple M in Esperance, so I've been flat out like you wouldn't believe. So we had to uh, put the podcast on hold just for a uh, for a couple of weeks. But uh, look, it's good to be back. Uh, Fletcher's going to be joining us next week to talk about his Nalu photography adventure. And uh, I caught up with Sir Peter Reestway and Tony Hewitt. They were actually in Esperance doing a workshop. And uh, decided to come and pick me up from my house to go on a recce mission with them. Here's what happened. Tony, how long is it going to take us to get to Lucky Bay, mate? Two hours. Uh, it's about 50 k. So well, if we follow that guy, that's Foxy Lady. 20 minutes, Foxy so we might lady. follow him. I like that. That was the number plate, Foxy Lady, by that's the way. That's interesting, because it did say 56 minutes, and suddenly it said nearly two hours, and we're trying to figure out why. Sometimes Tony says Foxy Lady, and I always get a bit worried when I'm in a car with him, and he says... Ah, it's taking us through Kalgoorlie. Oh, oh we're going to see Carwin, eh? that, that'd, that'd be why yeah, it's taking so long. Just to uh, just the backstory on Foxy Lady, we just got passed by a Commodore doing about 200 k's uh, in in Aspirants. Favourites, uh, Merivale. Is that the house of Merivale? We used to have a house of Merivale in Sydney. Did you? Yeah. This is Western Australia. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Got to tell you, this is the best road trip ever. We just went past Stonehenge. And uh, look, uh, full credit to the to the people that made that, the druids or whatever. That was uh, quite an amazing structure. I think it was actually the Smiths. Uh, it was a farmer named, I think he's, I don't know his last name, but it wasn't druid. Oh, so it wasn't the druids? No, that's a different one. Oh, okay. So what did you guys do this morning? So we got up pretty early and uh, went out to Mirup Airfield, which is a pretty pretty cool looking little area actually the way they've all got great idea isn't it instead of being a golfer where you you at the end of you know 18 holes you sort of trundle home and get drunk these guys they just fly in and they've got you know twin airstrips land and then they go putter around taxi taxi their plane down the road into their own hand that's right there are a few big trees that worried me just because i thought you might clip your wings as you were going along the road but what a fantastic idea very 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 cool and we went up with uh, a really cool pilot jacob a young fellow's been out here since, I think he grew up here, didn't he? He grew up on a farm a bit further west of here, I think it is. And he flies with Air Esperance, a great crew. They did a good job for us and uh, put us in a 182 with the doors off. And then uh, Pete told me I had to sit in the back. I had no choice, which was absolutely freezing, I've got to tell you. I, I, um, I didn't actually I, say I, that, I, but I, 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 I didn't actually I, say I, that. I, but when Tony jumped into the plane first, um, I was accepting of the situation. But uh, anyway, we flew basically north, maybe a little bit north nor'east, and went up to look for well, what were we looking for, Pete? Well, What's your idea this one. Yeah, flying over from Sydney because you know, being a, uh, a city slicker from Sydney, not knowing much about the world or anything. I was flying into Perth. Well, I'm thinking probably ten years ago, probably Tony, when we were doing some of the ND5 stuff. And um, look, I remember looking down and there are these wonderful little shapes of, you know, just all the little salt pans and they're drying out and they're just all tucked around together. And I thought, 
I need to go and photograph that sometime. So when Tony and I found ourselves doing this workshop down here in Esperance, I said, let's just go a little earlier, Tony, because there's a bit of unfinished business I've got, and that's, that's what we did this morning. We went and finished my business, so to speak. <laughs> How many of uh, Christian Fletcher's shots do you reckon you're going to copy? Uh, why would we copy Christian? Who's Christian? Well, actually, look, a little bit of confession, Carwin. Um, on the little Cessna that we had, they had a new upgrade on it, and the upgrade uh, allowed us to use Apple AirPlay. And what we did was we linked in the internet to Apple AirPlay, we visited Christian's website, and all we did was, uh, instead of face recognition, they've got location recognition, and we just tapped on a couple of his photos, and it's amazing to watch this. On one occasion, we did do a little bit of a problem because somewhere we tapped was behind the aeroplane. Now, normally a plane would roll left or right, but we just went straight up and over and did a bit of a twist. It was a barrel roll or something? Uh, it's an going, inverted barrel roll. And, and going back the other way. No, so not inverted, it's the other way. So no, inverted flight is impossible because I've been watching the uh, the, the factoid about uh, Top Gun Maverick That's why 2. We take pictures out of planes and not fly them. Yeah, so, so anyway, um, pressing all of the photos on Christian's website. I think he's got now four or five photos on that website, hasn't he? Um, four or five good ones. Four or five good ones, and we, we visited all of those locations, and uh, we took them better, didn't we, Tony? You did. <laughs> no, actually, there's some beautiful... You can actually see them on Google Earth. They're like, they're like, uh, like bubbles blowing across the, uh, across the terrain, so you've got this quite tightly cut grasses at the moment or fields with nice textured patterns and um and then you had these these sort of ponds very round with a little bit of water obviously but they just look like bubbles and they had a little bit of a trail like comet trails on some of them coming off uh, so they're quite pretty and depending on the height you'd get you know one or two or you could get a whole whole group of them in the in the image uh and we, we were flying in a so the 182 is quite a, a smallish cessna not the smallest but it's certainly one of the smaller ones with the doors off and uh, it does have a strut and some wheel pods so a little bit of a tight view particularly from the back but you know that's okay um but you know jacob did a good job he, he put us where we need to be and as i said eric's esperance um you know really appreciate them coming and helping us out we've also got a second pilot coming over for our group which is roger avery from uh bustle and air services oh, Rog. oh roger's joining us yeah awesome. So we'll have two planes and a group of people and we're going to do some flights up there and then we'll do some along the coast, the beautiful, beautiful coast of Esperance. Uh, just just heading into uh, to Lucky Bay in Esperance. Uh, what's the fuel situation, Tony? Do, do you reckon we need to fuel up, mate, or are we going to make it? Me, uh, we've got 615 k's in the tank, so we should be fine. <laughs> That's how much we've done, That's mate. That's how much we've done, yeah. But it's a big tank. It drives like a tank. We, we might have a weight problem on the way back. We may need to jettison some unwanted luggage, do you think, Tone? Possibly. Okay, I'll just, uh, I'll shut up now. Uh, what's this hill here called, uh, fellas? I believe that's Frenchman's Peak. I believe it is. So, so where are we? When we get to Lucky Bay, though, we're not going to have time to do this radio stuff, Tony, are we? No. Yeah, we're we're going to be out there getting our tripods up now. Tony is going to have a real problem putting his tripod up because he needs to tighten up the tripod legs. Did you get? Have, have you got two Allen keys with you, or just I one? I have. I have my Allen keys in my pocket. Uh, the mark of a true photographer. There you go. Although a truer photographer would just have a tripod where the legs didn't actually release all the time, though. Wouldn't they? <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? Like we come out here and we we already know we're, we're going to do aerial, so we have a certain bit of kit for that, and then the, 
the, the locations around here are just so beautiful in the mornings and evenings with the water being so clear, the colours. Uh, that gives us the chance to do a bit of other types of photography. So we'll certainly bring our, we've got our tripods with us and some lenses that we may not use in the plane, such as maybe a 28mm, particularly in a small Cessna with struts and wheels. So bringing the whole kit with you sometimes can be a pain in the you-know-what, but uh, when you get to the location, it gives you lots of options to explore, you know, a variety of genres, if you like. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've, for this trip, I normally take everything including the kitchen sink this time I've got a telephoto a wide angle and a standard lens and that's basically it now I do have another camera outfit a little Fuji outfit in the case as a backup in case the phase stops working for whatever reason but I, I look at my photography and so much is shot with the wide or the telephoto I could more or less ignore the other lenses now that's the theory I could be wrong but that's what I'm trying on this trip well, there you go. We can see Lucky Bay, and I've got to tell you, look at the colour of that wow, water. The colour is awesome. Yeah, we can just yeah. uh, we can see it now. It's all turquoise. I reckon that's a Christian Fletcher uh, colour saturation slider. What do you think, Tony? I don't even know if you'd need it, but I can say this: this picture is so beautiful. It's a damn shame we're on radio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you would actually have to back off the saturation slider almost, I reckon, for this one. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's almost like iceberg blue, isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, careful, 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 we've got dirt road. Are we oh, gonna, oh. This is a rental car, we can't take it on that, can we? Oh, oh no, let's, uh, let's not oh. take that option. No, we're, no, we're turning right, go we're go turning right into the car it. park and it's bitumen, we're safe. We're not doing anything wrong. Nothing to see here. That was just the gravel ferry, we, we don't know anything about that. Beach access, can't camp now, look at that. Now if I can just paint a picture, we're coming into Lucky Bay and uh, how would you describe, Pete, it's not rolling surf, it's probably knee-high rolling... It's tiny, little, it's tiny little waves dribbling in. If you were a surfer, you wouldn't bother getting your board out. If you're a three-year-old, it's massive. <laughs> is there's, it... there's someone out there on a red canoe, that is how small it is. Can anybody see any sharks? Ah. Not at this point. It's not, not a at this sharky, point. is it? No. But you don't know, do you? You just don't know. That person in the red canoe, I wouldn't be paddling a red canoe because we all know how sharks like red canoes. No, it's bulls. Bulls. Sharks, it's black canoes. Don't, don't, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Okay. Oh, I'm fucking mozzies. <laughs> Did you get it? Yeah. I hoped you killed it. So we spent about 45 minutes at Lucky Bay. The boys got their tripods and the phase ones out, started taking photos, started taking it pretty seriously. And this is back in the car on the way to Thistle Bay. All right, guys, we've just been to Lucky Bay, and uh, before we came down here, one of my questions for both of you gentlemen was was why Esperance? And uh, all of that sort of became apparent at Lucky Bay, didn't it? Well, it became apparent to you, didn't it, Carwin? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I took one of the best photos I've taken in my life. Incredible. <laughs> I, I, look, Esperance is a beautiful place, don't get me wrong, but so are so many places. And I think it's as much your attitude to where you're going as to what's actually there. And don't get me wrong, it's very easy to have a positive attitude when you come down to a place like Esperance. So I think we all marvelled at the clarity of the air, of the water, the vibrance of the colour. You know, we've got some wonderful white cloud, well, greyish white clouds going across the, the sky. That was it, was, it was really very, very cool. I mean, it's very picture postcard. We've got a few storms coming through over the next couple of days i'll possibly personally prefer to shoot that sort of weather but there's nothing wrong with what we had today it was just gorgeous just just glorious yeah it was uh, stunning sorry let's go that's what he said yeah what he said 
Uh, thank you, Tony Hewitt, for those insightful yeah. comments. But uh, it was just quite uh, interesting, uh, you know, looking for compositions, and there was a couple of obvious compositions, but you saw the, uh, what do you call those um, those uh, sort of uh, sculptures in the sand? Well, they basically, that's the, I guess, the, the tide marks, or the it was the movement of the water, and they're little streams, and they create rivulets, I guess, or, uh, I know, tide, what are you going to call them, Tony? Oh, ripples, rivulets. Ripples, yeah, yep. Yeah. They, they were strange artefact markings in the sand left by UFOs. The, the, the game is, you, you, you see all this content in front of you, beach, cloud, blue sky, all these things that attract your attention. And the water was clear, it was crystal, and even you know, just the colour of the water attracts you. That's beautiful. Then you look at the sand, it's got all these beautiful patterns running through. That's beautiful. Then you look at the background, how can I work with that so that contributes to the picture, doesn't make it distracting. Then you look at the light, where's the light coming from? And as you probably noticed, Carwin, the, the light was behind us and a lot of times the angle you thought that'd be really nice to shoot to the water that way your shadow's in the way mm. um, you know and if we're the wide angle you've really got to be shooting almost at right angles to the light otherwise you're picking it up in the corners and in fact I took a couple of shots with a, a, a very wide lens knowing that I had a part of my tripod leg in the corner I'll fix that up later because it was the angle I wanted so you know the challenge is or the fun of it is it's coming down and saying there's all of these components or, or options how do I put them together in a way that makes a great picture and as Peter said sometimes people come down they look at it and they go wow you know they get they get just mesmerized by the color the texture the light but it's putting them together in the right way that makes a great picture and that's what uh, you know having good visions about yeah, I guess that was one of the things too. Like, there's a you, you'll you'll be there, and there's a wonderful cloud, and there's the interesting foreground in the sand, and then there's the islands in the middle ground, and sometimes the you know you want to fit it all in, but what you end up with is the cloud too close to the edge of the frame, the interesting sand too close to the edge of the frame, and then sort of nothingness in the middle because you you haven't actually decided what's important in your composition. And when we're framing up, we're really communicating. Like we're communicating on radio, we're using words to get ideas across the way that you frame your subject or the way that you place your subject within the photographic frame it's also a form of communication it's a language and when you think about that a little bit I mean it, it, it's, it's hard to divorce yourself at first when you're there and enjoying it and when you're actually thinking about it as a, a form of communication I mean when I say communication it, it, yeah, it can be still arty-farty communication if you want as well of course these are some great looking rocks here which, which is this bay tone? Thistle Bay, I think. Thistle Bay. But I was just going to add at the end there, you know, in, in, old school photographers used to talk about making a picture, not taking a picture, you know. And it, it really is true even here where you come down, there's all the components. It's like somebody says, right, here's some, here's some ingredients. And they give it to a chef and say, can you make me something? And the different chefs will make different things out of it. And really great chefs make great food out of basic ingredients. And really, beach, water, sun, islands, a bit of whitewash. Great photographers like you know Sir Peter Eastway come down and they make a great picture with it. I'll give you fifty bucks now, Tone. That was great. Thanks for that. Can I just explain the conditions? It's uh, it's not really conducive to landscape photography. It's pretty much blue sky with uh, some dappled clouds. So it's not perfect, but um, it's amazing. Okay, gentlemen, uh, where are we now? Wow, it's amazing. Well, well, I, I, Carwin, you know how you just asked that question. Yeah, what, just just repeat what you asked, Tony. I, I just said uh, those clouds over there. Is is that rain? Yeah, and, and not more than a kilometre back, Tony said, wow, look at those clouds, look at the rain coming down. And I, I just want to know, here we are, we've invited you out with us, Tony and I have invited you, Carwin, Radio Legend and all that sort of stuff, to come out with us. And you don't even listen to Tony. I mean, he's, he's, he's talking 
he's, he's just giving. He's trying to help you take better photographs. Yeah, but I wasn't listening. I was. I was on, I know I was on Instagram. I know you weren't listening. That's what I mean. I, I just want. I, I just. I just want you to promise that from now on you are going to pay attention to what Tony says. Well, maybe if Tony talks a bit louder, it, it, I don't really see my, that how this is my fault. Carwin, I'm not interested in excuses. It hurts my feelings that you disrespect. Tony Hewitt so much like that not to listen to every word that he says. Tony, can you talk louder next time, mate? So what? I, I, yeah. Alright, thanks, thanks, fellas. So, uh, are they rain clouds? Or? No, no, There's no. no clouds. <laughs> Best road trip ever. Best road trip ever. Uh, what do you got for me, Pete? Hey, Cohen, what do you call a cloud that's raining? A snow cloud. Ah, oh, gotcha. That's good. <laughs> See, I'm learning. Where are we going now, boys? Where's this? Tony, why are you putting the uh, indicator on to turn when we're just going around the right corner? Or oh, you just want to give some sound effects? Actually, can I just ask why we were on the right-hand side of the road? Wow. Look at, look at that. Cool. Very quick apologies for the massive jump in the timeline here. We got to Cape Le Grand Beach in Esperance, and it was a. We got there, and it was you know blue skies, fairly banal sort of sunset, but there was this uh, really dark sort of cloud off in the distance. Then it just exploded. It just became one of the most epic sunsets I have ever seen in my entire life. You need to uh, check out the photography. So have a look at Tony's Instagram. Do a search for at Tony Hewitt. Have a look at Peter's too, Peter Eastway. And have a look at mine too, at Carwin Photo. It was just incredible. Anyway, this is us back in the car after probably about a 25-minute photographic session of the most epic sunset ever okay we're almost out of diesel but uh we made a uh, side trip to cape Le Grand beach and what happened it went off it went off it was uh, one of those very fortuitous occasions isn't that how you would well, express it tony well yes and no pete no, no let's no. let's think about that in all fairness you know a gentleman come up to me very polite and said you know did you know this was going to happen i said well yes and no we knew <laughs> that something might happen but you can make your own luck so last night we were on the western side of Esperance uh, and there was a beautiful afterglow but yep. we weren't quite in the right spot and we thought well tomorrow night if we f- have a bit more of a westerly perspective we might pick up some of that afterglow. We didn't know there would be the clouds where we wanted them but we did know that there was rain due. So when you put it all together um, you kind of put yourself in a place that gives you a better chance of getting something that's good. Yeah, make, make your own luck. Yeah. I, didn't that guy ask who you were? Yes, he did. He came <laughs> up to me and he said, "Excuse." He said, "You look like you're a serious photographer," because he was looking at the camera, of course, the Phase One. And I said, "Yeah, I am pretty we, serious." Did, we didn't have our Likers with us, did we? What's that? <laughs> so, so Christians. Not no, no, I don't use a loop. <laughs> um, and uh, and he said, "Are you a professional?" I said, "Yes, thirty years." And the other gentleman over there as well. And he looked at me and goes your name's not Ken someone is it <laughs> I said no but I do know Ken someone <laughs> and actually that gentleman over there knows Ken someone too so hey Ken how you doing I'm sure everybody who's listening knows who you are hi Ken so who is Ken Smith anyway <laughs> good on uh, you Kenny of Love course you. we're talking about Ken Duncan yep. amazing photographer who you know in a lot of ways opened up the market and a few others did, but certainly Ken played a big part in opening up It was an interesting that. question, wasn't it, when Carwin said, do you think Ken had been here when we were over shooting yes. the other rocks? Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you, Carwin, that Ken has been everywhere in Australia. Yeah. I mean, we think about it, it was 20, 30 years ago now, he and his wife Pam sold their house, 
bought some wide lux cameras, which were the panorama cameras of the time, and travelled around Australia with the idea of making books and prints to sell. They sold everything, started fresh. And you've got to just give Ken and Pam everything that they've got today because they put it all on the line and they went out and made it happen. And I just think such a great good news story. That you know, that sunset would have been a Ken Duncan sunset. <laughs> and he probably would have shot it better than us. But anyway. <laughs> Possibly, but hey, thanks for the inspiration, Ken. Indeed. But yeah, I think that element of, of you know looking at looking at maps beforehand, looking at weather patterns, and, and the more you do that, you can kind of put yourself with a better chance. What are the chances that two of the best landscape photographers in the world could be (laughs) but could be at at exactly the right place at the right time for that amazing sunset and we'll actually post photos of of what we're uh, we're talking about but but how is that even possible Uh, that's the pressure at least my iphone photos came out (laughs) you've got to give us a week so we've got time to buy some of ken's pictures (laughs) uh look i don't i don't think that's got anything to really to do with it other than the more you do it and the better you get the more you're likely to be able to predict the best chances but you still can't be sure we could have been there and that cloud could have come in and just filled the horizon and got rid of all the light but it was broken up enough and there was enough of a break where the light was coming through to light up the rest of the cloud there was a bit of luck involved as well but if I was there by myself, that's exactly what it would have done. It just would have been terrible. But uh, because you guys are there, you like, you know, weather whisperers. Yeah, well, I, you, is there some sort of voodoo ceremony that goes on? Before? Like we do a photo, photo tours, photo workshops. You're away for a week or two weeks. Just think about the weather patterns. In every two weeks, there's usually a storm or something that comes through. And at some stage in those two weeks, there is going to be great light. You've just got to be up early or out late waiting for it and so when you're on a photo tour when you're out shooting where Tony and I are away just before a tour at the moment but out you know, we're shooting you make those chances happen and you're aware of it but there it does happen quite regularly I've got to say yeah what is it that old saying you know the f8 and b there well you know we were there and I had f11 but and, I hope it comes out anyway and you know there could be another 10 of those in the next month but there may not be a photographer there so what did it happen if a tree falls in the forest, did it, did it make a noise? Did a bear eat you in the forest if you came back? That is, uh, guys, we're getting quite philosophical now, so. <laughs> no, we just got lucky with that sunset. Let's not overthink no, 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 it. No, 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 no. Tony was skillful. I, I mean, I did say we would be there for sunset, and that's what we looked for. The cloud was a bit of a bonus, although we knew there would be cloud coming in. So I would claim 65, 75% was planned and then the last little bit was lucky because even the without last... the cloud it would have still been beautiful colour. Oh, I think the cloud made it I've got oh, to say. Can I? Uh... It would still have been a beautiful you know, band of colour. Can oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Can I just say, like, I was the only person there tonight without a tripod. Uh, I didn't bring my tripod. I uh, managed to borrow Sir Peter Eastway's tripod for three shots and then he kicked me off. But yeah, uh, so... put it on the slow hydraulic uh, drop. <laughs> so... <laughs> you about that so the legs are hydraulic and if you don't tighten them up enough they just do this very slow oh, really? drop. So, it's like an intentional so you say i'm going to put on the tripod and what he did yes you can yeah. but if he does it on the wrong leg you'll be sitting there not realizing <laughs> that your camera is slowly melting so, so what tony's saying is carwin is all of your shots my might shots, be blurred my shots are going to suck <laughs> but uh, look I, I was just observing you two because i couldn't actually take a photo and you were just frenetic like you were both just going at a million miles an hour you're doing long exposures uh peter was taking shots with his iphone tony you were taking shots with your 
your iPhone as well in between taking shots. It was just, um, you know, you just had that small window of time. You, you both just went for it. I think, you know, when things happen, they happen quick and uh, you don't waste time. You can, you know, we, we joke around and carry on and fluffle around a bit, but once it's on, you know, you know you've got a small window of time. You don't want to waste it. And that's where knowing your, your camera gear and, you know, so it's second nature is really useful you don't have to think about that you can just concentrate on what you're shooting and you know all the old older photographers that you know i grew up with they would always hammer you know know your technique i can remember once uh, i had a four by five view camera so it was wooden camera we had some of these you know um i forget what it's called graphmatics or something or other but it was a, a holder that held six sheets of film and i was doing some photos of the aipp convention down in um Tasmania down Hobart and I was doing a couple of photos and Ian McKenzie who was you know, a good 20 years older than me good friend and uh, known him for many years he came up and said Peter you go and get in the photo and I'll take it and I watched him use my camera and my jaw just dropped he was just so efficient the way he just knew how to you know, focus cop the shutter put take take one you know um, close the shutter, change the, the uh, double dark, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. He was just so fast and efficient and that really impressed on me the need to know your gear, to understand your gear. And so, you know, when you're sitting down at home with the TV, pull your camera out and just play with the gear, play with the settings, understand what they all do and then you can go back to watching uh, you know, the price is right or whatever you're doing. But yeah, it's just being, having that, being that second nature is just so important. It's, uh, it was quite a pleasure, actually, just watching both of you blokes uh, just just slot into to pro mode. So all the all of joking around that we've been doing all afternoon, and all that sort of stuff, stopped, and it was just we we are here to take photos. We're not uh, we're not here for a haircut. Uh, it, was, it was quite amazing to watch. That's a really important thing, you know. I, I know, you know, over the years, even with even Christian, when we've travelled together, you know. We, we have fun we're in between if you keep it serious all the time it's just too intense it's, it's you mentally might as well be an accountant <laughs> so you need to you need to be able to relax and just have a bit of fun and keep it light don't take it too serious until it needs to be serious and then everybody just locks in but the other thing is a lot of photographers don't switch out of left brain mode so they get to something like that and they're constantly worried about the technical side of things and as Peter said you can you can really fine-tune your technical knowledge and your skill sets at other times but don't wait until you've got the perfect lighting conditions and the ultimate you know beautiful landscapes in front of you to start trying to learn that stuff learn it before because when those opportunities are in front of you you want to be able to slip into right brain mode and everything else is on automatic and then you get creative and then you find the opportunities that other people miss and the other thing that you probably picked up you mentioned the phones but we were switching from 240s to 80s to yep. 28s, yep. wides to zooms. We were doing high pit, high angles, there low angles. lens changes. And and then you know long exposures. Although I did I didn't do any really. I didn't use a filter that time. I didn't do any long exposures. But we're trying to maximise that window to get different types of shots, not just one shot. Um, and then afterwards we'll debrief it. Some work, some don't work as well. But you you put that in your as Peter would say, you know your data bank. You talk about this sort of library of memories that we go back to as reference points so that in the future when something like that happens you think well last time I had the 24 out and it didn't work whereas the 80 worked or last time I played with the 80 and I should have used the 24 and you get better and better at picking and you get luckier and luckier if you like. It was quite interesting too, uh, if we can just uh, wind the clock back to, to Lucky Bay, Peter, we were having a conversation where, where I said, you know, you helped me with my comp composition in a shot, and I reckon it's one of the best photos I've actually taken in my life. 
Um, and you remarked that you know you've been doing this so long that you, even though you're in a new location, you can lock into a, a composition almost automatically. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in some ways, the number of compositions that I use are probably you know it might only be ten or twenty different combinations where the subject will be in the bottom left and the sky or the cloud will be up in the top right. You know, it's just simple stuff like that. And when you do a little bit of study of graphic design or you study you know, painting, whether it's abstract or whether it's classical, etc., you, you see that there are certain patterns that artists have used time and time again. And so to some extent, what I do is formulaic and I don't feel like, I, you know, I don't feel like I'm following a formula but if I sit back and analyse myself objectively, yes, I am. I, I said to you on another occasion, you know, when we had those rocks in the foreground, I said, with your 24 mil, I said, walk in really close to that rock and put it in the bottom of the frame and then bring up the horizon up the top. And, you know, that's something that I do all the time where you know you've got a wide-angle lens, so if you want it to work at its best, you know, you want to get a subject close to it because, you know, to fill the frame, so you walk in close to the subject. So that's a technique that I use all the time. But what makes it different is that, you know, one's at Esperance, one's in the Arctic, one's in Bhutan. And so the subject matter is the difference, but the technique is often very much the same. We're just slowing down to avoid a kangaroo. At this point in the journey, a kangaroo ran out in front of the car, uh, which we hit, but uh, we only hit its tail. Fortunately, Tony was doing the driving. He was going quite slowly sort of in, in the, you know, towards the middle of the road, which is advisable in kangaroo country. And uh, it flashed in front of us. And, and honestly, if it had been a tenth of a second slower, we would have cleaned it up and us up. It would have been dead and we would have been dead too. Fortunately, the kangaroo was okay. We doubled back to, uh, to check up on it. Uh, I think we just hit its tail, but it uh, just ran off back into the bushes and there was no damage to the car. But uh, that, was, that was so close. Uh, I'd like to just tell the listeners that uh, Tony and I are very sensitive new age guys who care for the wildlife of Australia, whereas it's quite obvious Carwin has a different point of view. Sorry, Carwin, you were saying? Well, you know, he probably tasted good. <laughs> I'll tell you about the Scotch fillet I had the other night. I did. I did. I did. It's life changing. That was an amazing road trip. Uh, thank you so much, Peter and Tony, for taking me along on your reconnaissance mission. Uh, look, great blokes. It was great fun in the car. And fantastic weather. I just, just cannot believe it. If you would like to uh, to check out the photography from that mission, from Esperance, have a look at, uh, at Tony's Instagram. That's uh, at Tony Hewitt. And do a search for Peter Eastway's stuff as well because it was just incredible. You can have a look at mine too. It's not as good as theirs, but uh, it'll, it'll give you an idea of what it was actually like. Uh, again, thank you for listening to Like Minded, and we'll see you again next week. Bye.